Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? Good afternoon, Dan. Thank you. I interrupted you. No. I already interrupted you. No, how's everything going? Way, way ah, I begin the day with a deficit, a black mark. Mm. No. Everything is great. Good. Yes. Someone, uh, some, someone uh, on Twitter was saying that you guys had some lightning. Lightning. Mm-hmm. In California? Yes. In San hmm. Francisco, over San Francisco, there was some lightning and lots Today? of news. Yesterday. Hmm. And uh, he was very, this was a big deal. A lot of people in San Francisco replying back and forth with him saying that they could see lightning in the skies over San Francisco. Yeah, a couple things. First of all, uh, you know, because all the uh, douchebags are here, we talk a lot about stuff that's happening here. You know, we get all, <laughs> we get all the douchebaggery first. Right. You know, we're close to the metal. John Syracuse says. Um, so yeah, I mean, but there, there are anomalous things. It doesn't rain here very often, except for when it rains, you know, the climate is strange, but like, for example, my daughter's, you know, nine and I'll bet she's heard thunder and seen lightning more times out of the area than in the area. Right. It's more like when we go to the East coast, like that's, I mean, we've, we've, We've gotten lightning, I don't know, I've, we, you get it maybe twice a year, maybe. It's very unusual. That's interesting. Yeah, not really, but it's a, it's a strange place. It's very warm right now. Like, what, I mean, what, what is that for you guys there? Well, you know, my neighborhood, it means 70. Right. But uh, in, uh, like, outside, it's, ooh, ooh, ooh. Don't even get me started on Phoenix. It might hit 120 today. <laughs> really? Yeah, they can't but land planes. The planes melt. 70 is what it is there? Right now, let's go look. Let's go to Weather Underground. Uh, according to my uh, electronic watch, it says it's 60, 60 degrees right now. It's oh, very that's comfortable. Nice. That's very nice. Sun came out. The dogs walked by. It's been a, it's been a good morning. What did I do? I, I prepared a little bit for the show. What else have I done today? I'm preparing for three different podcasts today, so I'm kind of a Twitter. You're doing all three today? I got two today, one tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so what's up with you? What are you doing? I'm uh, just looking at Tropical Storm Cindy a little bit this morning. Trop- Tropical Is that the one that's Storm in Georgia Cindy. right now? Yeah, it's coming up kind of through, up through Georgia. It missed Florida, and it's, uh, I think it's kind of Louisiana area. I don't miss Florida. <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't affect uh, John Ossoff's turnout. That's what I was worried about. It's the first yeah. thing I thought of. Because it tends to um, impact uh, Democrats when you have a storm, turns out. Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He follows me on Twitter. I don't know why. Georgia 6. <laughs> Georgia 6. What, what I'm becoming that? one of those people now who, who acts like he knows about politics by using terms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over in, the, uh, over in the Oval, POTUS, you know, in, in 12. POTUS you know, is one of the ugliest... Uh, I wish we could stop all the Otis. Stop all the Otis. Can't we stop all of it? It's just... It just sort of seemed to come out of nowhere. And I saw people doing POTUS a lot on the internet. And I thought, ugh, really? Yeah, POTUS, SCOTUS, FLOTUS. I don't care then, for that. Uh, it sounds it's a, it's, like it's it. a, a vile word up yes. there with scrum. Ooh, scrum. Scrum. Gristle. <laughs> moist. I don't mind moist. Succulent. I agree with you. I'm going to peg it to The West Wing, which is a very good TV show. That's where POTUS started? <sighs> I think so. They do it on Veep, but, you know, I'll allow it. Do people say it out loud? 
Yeah. Huh. They do. They say POTUS, SCOTUS, FLOTUS. Uh, yeah. Mike, Mike Pence replaced his cat. He got a dog. That's nice. Their cat Oreo died. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that, I think, last week. I, I hate to hear that a pet died. We went to CorgiCon this weekend. 20,000 people uh, show up uh, at the beach uh, and uh, people bring their corgis. And there's races and there's uh, costumes and it's just a whole lot of corgis. And it was pretty great. You were saying last week on the show that a corgi, when it is bred with another breed, it looks like a corgi that's dressed up as the other breed. Exactly. It, it looks like a corgi is going as a husky for Halloween. It really does. And you showed me some pictures that I, I thought you were just sort of joshing around, but that is exactly what it looks like in a it's very uncanny. strange way and a way that I don't like. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Um, but it's more like if you got kind of like a inexpensively produced video game and you can skin your character and like all they know how to make is a corgi, but then they can make different skins for it. Right. Can you make me an applehead chihuahua thing? You're an applehead chihuahua. Hey, did that You're Minecraft uh, about- update come out for you yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you Speaking know it hasn't. skinning things, I just wanted to check in on that. And I, I keep I keep placating her with buying other uh, cool, uh, cool mashups, but yeah... She's doing the uh, the privateers one with the pirate ship, and it's pretty great. Pretty, pretty great. Um, I, Dan, what's the holdup? Why can't they just put it out? We're talking here about the Minecraft mashup pack uh, for the Adventure Time franchise. Yeah. It looks amazing. And the neat thing with the mashup, as I understand it, this is explained to me by my daughter, is you just mash on a button, and then it makes a whole world. It spawns a whole world. You get the whole... It's When it comes out, if it comes out... I think you get like the whole kingdom of Ooh, and you're like hanging out with the ice cream. That's exactly right. Yep. You get the whole <laughs> thing. And they put together, I'll put it in the show notes, but they put together a really nice video for this too. Oh, it yes. kind of is, so it good. is the intro to adventure time done in Minecraft. And it's, it's just, uh, we just keep watching it at home. I know, but you guys wait now. You guys play it on a computer though, right? So you're good. Well, it's not, it's, I don't know if it's out yet for, uh, for the PC. Okay. I, 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 hmm. I think it I went think first to console consoles. and then yeah, right. it comes out to PE and then uh, Windows 10. Typical, typical racism. They don't even say anything about Mac, by the way. No. Oh, oh, they don't even say anything. Now, is that a Steam type thing? Uh, it's not a Steam thing. Steam's a different thing. This is Microsoft, Mojang. Uh, yes, uh, Microsoft bought the Bachi, Bachi sold Bachi sold Mojang to, uh, to Microsoft. Notch, and, and, yeah. Yeah, bocce. And um, yeah, okay. All right. Well, I would just like to say, you know, feed to the fire, chop, chop, mock Schnell. Let's get this thing going. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't keep up with this anymore. Yeah. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Corgis. Corgis are so great. Are you guys are looking? Pretty, do you think you're going to get one? Is that what's next? Well, I don't want to, but yeah. like, I'm kind of getting obsessed with them. I think the cat's probably still got another year or two on the tires. She's very relaxed. Did I say we got cat diffusers? We got we got something that diffuses a smell that supposedly relaxes cats. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it looks kind of like a Glade air freshener you plug in. You plug it in and uh, it releases some kind of a scent that supposedly calms your cat down. Does it work? I think it does. Because we stopped using it and she started seeming a little bit sketchy again. <laughs> she, gets, she gets very um, hypervigilant. And a little bit like a kitty cat OCD where she like has to look in every closet 
like make sure everything's okay. That is very. She does. She, she just she walks over. Well, no, I don't mean it in a pejorative, but like she walks over. My my wife, who's the adult in the in the place, likes to close the doors on closets and things like that. And there's one closet where she just goes and she walks over. She stares. She looks at the door. She walks up to where the door would be open, and she just turns and looks at me, like, "What are you doing? You know I can't open this. Do you, do you know what this does to me? Do you know?" Does she do you know, it a got, lot throughout the day or just once? Well, day? after my wife leaves, I open it sometimes, you know? Yeah. Does she you go know? in or just look in? Oh, no, she goes in. It's got a, it's a closet with two doors. It, it goes, uh, it's a big closet and it, it's got a door in one room, a door in the other because San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she'll just walk through there. She'll, you know, go into the, uh, go into the toilet paper shelf and, you know, check things out. Yeah. If you have any questions at all about the cat, uh, feel free to post them. Okay. To uh, oh, did you see that we're one of the top was it business podcasts? I, yes, I did. That's in uh, one of the uh, uh, talking points I have for you today. Yeah, did you notice? I don't know if you went. I, I, I it wasn't until I'd already clicked on the PDF that I thought, why did I click on this PDF? Never click on an email attachment. No, no, no. But I was just curious about what this thing actually was. Did you did you take a moment to actually look at the PDF? I, I did uh, briefly. Did you notice look- anything about the information they enclosed in there? Uh. Well, I'm not looking at it now. Re- refresh my memory. Back to work. Yeah. I don't have it for me, but it's like back to work. It's a you know business productivity right, right, right. sign. And uh, Dan Merlin, D email address in the last column. It's oh, lovely. So that's nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for honoring us. It's in the PDF. Mm-hmm. I most recently I, I had this email come in um, for the the topic idea that came in. Yeah. Did you get that one? It's uh it came in yesterday at nine forty one AM. Let's see. It's uh the one the top the subject is a guest topic idea for back to work on the future of work in the US. Should I just I read it? I, I can just haul off the Yeah, I don't, I don't think I got that one. I, I love that it. it's also just addressed to just Dan. I've started marking those as spam, so sometimes they go. Oh, away. you're missing the good ones. Good morning. My name mm. is Bobby. Let's, I'm just going to leave the last name off. My name is Bobby. I work for the Manhattan Institute. They're the ones that made, by the way, this is an aside. They mm-hmm. made the uh, the ship go completely uh, invisible to radar. And then the guys went through time. And when they came back, the guys were all like mm-hmm. in the deck of the ship. That's what this is. Is that what they call Razzle Dazzle? Yeah, that's what this is. Okay. I hope the day that's is not, off. That's not inventing the bomb. That's the Manhattan Project, right? Right. This is the Manhattan Institute. Which, and, uh, and Manhattan Transfer is the acapella jazz band. Yes. Not to be confused do-a, with... Do-a, do-a, diddy. Tell us about the boy from New York City. Bella Fleck and the, and the Flecktones. Flecktones. I hope the day is off to a good start. The Manhattan, to- Manhattan Toots Institute's City Journal magazine has released a special issue focusing on the future of work in America. I thought a couple of articles might be of interest to your program with Merlin. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we have... K. Heimowitz on robots and which sectors will be affected. Milton mm-hmm. Ezrati on embracing technology and globalization, which the first time I read is goblinization. That would be pretty funny. And I was very <laughs> excited when I read that. He argues that we should continue to outsource the easy stuff and create a, U- a, create a U.S. niche for manufacturing high-end specialized products as some corporations have already begun to do. I mean, it goes on. There's, these are just a few of the things. They talk about um, how they want to revamp vocational training in the U.S. 
mm. and that they have apprenticeship programs. Uh, and they have a PDF to Merlin that they want, and they have given me their number. I can call back to, to Bobby's desk. So, like, if you have questions about it or, like, when right. you're ready to schedule. Yes. Get, and and right. so, I don't know, do we get to pick from the... But you can you can tell that this person really knows our show. They've been listening mm-hmm. probably since episode seven. If and, they're able to name, a, you know, an episode from the last few months, that only a super fan would be able to do that's that. That's right. That's right. Man, there's no Pearl script that could do that. No. <laughs> but yeah we get a lot of emails like this and this one i just thought i liked how it's addressed only to me yeah you know only to me was it was it at the uh usual address i think i think it was maybe they sent you know what maybe he sent it to me knowing you wouldn't read it knowing you were marking oh. it as spam look at that yeah. he did he sent it to the general feedback uh just to me that sounds like that might be a real it. email. That he might didn't... be a pseudo real email. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Big big fans. All the great shows. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my yeah, that was yeah. my one action item to go over with you this week. Yeah, I mean, what else did I have here? We uh we haven't gotten as much feedback lately, but I've because uh, I know people enjoy hearing feedback. I, I got uh, a couple three things to talk about. Okay. I'm pretty open on whatever you want to do. I'm, you know, I had a couple mini things. All right. Did you, I wanted to ask, did you wind up getting an iPad, the new one? I couldn't say. Okay. I, uh, I think the CBD oil might be working. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't tell if I'm taking the right amount. Are you drinking sometimes, whole, sometimes the whole I wake up or feeling, just half? No, sometimes I wake up feeling like I'm tripping. <laughs> I woke. I, woke, I moved up to three dot formula. Okay. You know, you got the one dot, the two dot, the three dot. Yes. And the three dot comes with a giant ass. It doesn't even come with a dropper, but I used the dropper from the two dot formulation. Sure. Yeah. And I think I took way too much, and and I I felt like I was tripping the next day. That no was kidding. not a fun feeling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But no, I think I uh, see. I need to figure out. I uh, it's it's kind of messy and stinky, and I don't want to mess up the kitchen. But I'm I'm kind of. I want to get a better handle on the dosage, but I think it might, I think it might be helping. It's taken me weeks to get to where I'm comfortable saying that, but I think it might be helping. Well, that takes the edge off. That's wonderful news. It certainly helps, uh, helps us. Uh, there's something that, uh, I was confused about why the three dot didn't come with a syringe like the other ones. So I called the company and what they told me was that the, the reason it doesn't come with the syringe is that the syringes are not very accurate. Uh, I'm sorry, not syringes, droppers. I'm yeah, the droppers. I'm going to tell you about a syringe in a second. Um, but the the droppers are not very accurate. And when you're into the higher dosage, um, I think they people are more focused on accuracy and, they're, and that's why they have to drop. I, I said, Based on my experience, that's a very good idea. I said, okay. I said, that that's fine. He said, and the guy said, but... He said, what you can do is it, that little opening in the top of the bottle is the exact size intentionally of a standard, there's some kind of medical syringe of some kind that doesn't have the needle on it. It's just the, the, whatever a syringe uh, is without the, the, the plunger. It's what you plunger. use to give a kitten milk. Yes, that thing. And they sell these and he gave me a link. Uh, and, and for fourteen ninety nine, you get either 50 or a hundred of these things. And they're, they, I think they're intended to be like a one use, but you can reuse them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so they're, they're, I'll put a link to that, 
uh, in, in the show notes and something you might be interested in too. And I ordered them and they come in. It's wonderful for people with OCD because they're like super sterile and they're all like in things and it feels very medical. Mm-hmm. But the end of it fits into the bottle, so you turn the you put it in there, turn the bottle upside down, and then you can extract the exact milliliters that you want, whether you want it three, six, whatever dose you want to do, it's exact, and it makes it uh, super easy because, like, if you you know if you were taking these, for example, like say you weren't taking them on a regular basis, you could measure out a few doses in advance. You could take it on a little trip with you, whatever you want to do, the good kind of trip. That's good. And uh, and so I'll I'll put a link to those if I, I'm sure I can dig that. Yeah, in. for the for the three dot, I think it's like an eighth of a teaspoon. That's correct. You're supposed to take and like we don't even have a measuring device that small. Right, it's it's a six milliliter dose, and it's very hard to measure that out with accuracy, except for these. Are you things, on three so. dot? Oh yeah, I've been on through the three dot. Yeah, that's the, the three. I noticed. I mean, I noticed a uh, marked difference. I think between two dot and three. Two two. What we're referring to here is the. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the proof of it, like how much right. of the active ingredient. There's a lot more active ingredient in the one with the three dots. This is probably going to be a little bit confusing to people. Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention, <clears throat> still, uh, please do your own due diligence. Your mileage may vary. No motorcycles after 3 p.m. Uh, this is kind of weird, pretty random, but I'm going to mention it. Uh, something I forget how I came across this, probably overcast recommendations, but there's this app and this like platform and this worldview, uh, about, uh, consumer mindfulness meditation called 10% happier. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion on the existence of that and whether it's Buddhist and stuff, but what I will tell you is their podcast feed has something I think is very interesting and worth checking out, which is in addition to interviews with lots of people you've heard of, because I think this 10% person is famous, uh, there's also uh, guests from the show or guests from elsewhere who come on and do guided meditations, which again, Take it for what it is. But it's interesting as a, as a way of thinking about whether this thing might be right for you and how it might be right for you. Uh, it's kind of neat to hear what different people do uh, with a guided meditation. And I, I put that in show notes, 10% happier. It's one of those like you get an app and you sign up for stuff, kind of like with Headspace where mm. you're like you're subscribing to meditation and that, I don't know why, that puts me off my beer. Like remember to, remember to meditate today. Like yeah, that kind yeah. of reminder thing. Yeah, mindfulness timer. <laughs> I used to would do that. Would that count as mindfulness? If you have an alarm, would that count as mindfulness? Here's what I used to do. And this was a really neat thing. This is back when I had that really, really great practice where I was sitting probably, I don't know, close to 60 minutes a day. And one of the things that I read about that people do is they'll set a something that goes off. I think they recommend once an hour. Uh, and you could, so you could set a little timer that dings once an hour or whatever way you like to remind yourself of things. And they say that, uh, if, you know, if you do one minute of mindfulness practice, uh, an hour and, you know, you work for, you know, eight hours, then you're getting about 10 additional minutes of mindfulness in the day. And Hmm. so I had tried that for a while and, you know, the ding, and then I thought, I got to stop what I'm doing now and just focus on breathing or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it became uh, really annoying. I stopped doing it. Yep. Me too. Uh, I had it on my, uh, my electronic watch, the, uh, the whole breathe thing. Yeah. And you know, 
I'll tell you the true mindfulness is realizing when you don't want that crap going off all the time. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I have another one that reminds me to, to work out, you know, it's a streaks style app for, you know, trying to motivate me to keep, um, taking walks and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I, uh, I, I really try to minimize those things. I do, I do a, a fair amount if, if this were easier to do on iOS, I would do it more. But I do a fair amount of trimming where I'll go through and like one of my bugaboos is like I don't want a badge on almost anything. I mean, a badge, so a badge meaning on the app icon, you will see a red dot with a white number in it representing something, whether that's things that are due today in OmniFocus or whether it's unread messages in the messages app, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As, as Marco cannily refers to in the settings for Overcast, like if you want more stress in your life, click this on. It'll tell you how many podcasts you haven't <laughs> listened to. Great example of like why I don't want this. And you have to, I mean, I think by default, most times when you turn on notifications, I think it flips on all the notifications for all the things. Like it will display in this way and it will make a sound and, you know, and, and it will, but you have an option in most notifications, oddly enough, in the notifications area, there's a bit you can uh, flip for turning off uh, the badge on things. And, and the, the ones where this drives me the craziest, though, I've had calendar apps. I guess this will change now with iOS 11 and things are going. But with calendar apps where the badge is the number of the day and the month. So like today. Oh, yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. Like the last thing I need to see on my calendar app is 20. Right. <laughs> like, it's so bad. It's just going to give you a little heart, a mini heart attack every time you look at it. I know, I know, I know. And and um, so I, I like to do a fair amount of that pruning. I wish it was a little bit easier to do. There's one thing. <laughs> it's like when you, you ever have like a beeping sound that you can't find in your house, something like that. Apparently somewhere, I don't even know if this is possible, but I'm pretty sure this has happened. I think I have a notification that, <laughs> that is just a sound. Like what What do you mean just a sound? Well, imagine you're using pho- your phone and you hear, ba-dum. Yeah. Or ping. Yeah. But there's nothing on screen. Oh, I, now I see what you mean. You, do you see the madness? Yeah. Something is notifying me about something and I don't know what it is. And so I, I have to just, I guess, sit down in settings and just look at every single one of them. I don't know. I could just be crazy. I get lots of, you know, there's still lots of weird things. I get things where like after I've updated the iPhone, for example, to a new beta. Or I, have you ever, well, see, you don't use your watch. But I, sometimes I'll get random blank reminders created. Huh. But you know what? This is a happy occasion. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. This is a happy time. My it, daughter watched it. Did I tell you we watched uh, Holy Grail finally all the way through? Holy Grail. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, yeah. What did she think of that? Loved it. We, we, we watched Monty. Like our new tradition is after bath, after TV, right before bedtime, we watch a couple uh, Monty Python videos. And then maybe we act it out a little bit. Fun. <laughs> I will not buy this record. It is scratched. Is it, My so- hovercraft <laughs> is full of eels. <laughs> That's good. You like that? Yes. A bouncy, bouncy. I like that. Yes. You were saying? Uh, I don't remember. What I was saying. Oh, I. I what do had- you? What do you? What do you and Cash like to watch together when you're throwing down with some YouTube and having some fun? Like, you know, we will. We'll. Uh, we'll go. We'll do some Brian Butterfields. We'll do some CGP Grays. Uh, we'll do some Monty Pythonses. Uh, what, what do you guys like to watch together? My son has developed a borderline unhealthy obsession with the original Planet of the Apes movies. And I'm, I, I think this came about because 
He loves loves the new Planet of the Apes movies, which I also really like. They're pretty good. Uh, I, they're really good. There's a new one that's coming out uh, in about a month in July of 2017, uh, which looks to be excellent. And before he had ever seen those, I had showed him the original Planet of the Apes movie, and uh, he he enjoyed it. But then I think what has happened is in in the space between when that movie was announced, the new one, mm-hmm. and now he has been in search of more. So for a while, he was watching the original, I mean, the the newer ones almost daily. And then I guess he just wanted more. He needed more. So he said, let's get all of the originals too. And I said, well, not all of them are that good. He said, no, they're good. Oh, dad, they're good. <laughs> they are good. I said, okay, all right, cool. For the, for the Roddy McDowell completist in your life. Yes, and... uh he watches these things. My daughter hates them. She gets very upset whenever he puts them on because he always wants to put them on. It's like, it's like, okay, let's put on something everyone wants to watch. How about a conquest of the planet of the apes? And and she'll say, no. So that's what it's like there. But he oh, will no. spend, he's now been spending more time uh, in, in, we have a small TV in a different room. He'll go in there when he wants to watch the apes movies. Uh, but he's very, very into that. So that's become the main thing. And uh, and then he's the rest of the time he's talking, playing or talking about Overwatch, which is a really, really good game. That looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, these movies, surprisingly, they're not they're not that bad. Uh, they're they're comically bad. The old, the old ones. Yeah, they're comically bad and then not that bad, depending on which movie. Uh, nothing because they're so strange and because nothing about them was supposed to look like the future per se, uh, because you're dealing with like an ape type civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they hold up in a very strange way. Like I, I'm not going to recommend anyone in our audience go and, and sit down to with a you know bowl of popcorn and a soft drink and watch one of these and expect to be entertained. But if you're into this kind of weird older movies, these will do the job. These will do the trick and fulfill that itch. You, and you can't really appreciate today. It's, it's another one of those cultural artifacts where there's several things about Planet of the Apes you can't appreciate, which is you, you watch it now and you go, gosh, that makeup's so weird. That's so silly. Right. But um, that makeup was game-changing at the time. That, that was, was at yeah. the, when that, that big reveal where they're like holding off showing you, like they're running through the field. Right. I'm, it's just from memory, but yeah, no, you're, with the you're, nets. Yeah. They're the, the ape, the ape uh, apes are... Uh, the sort of the soldiers and they're riding on horseback and they're chasing this group of humans of which Taylor uh, Charlton Heston and his, uh, his two fellow astronauts are sort of commingling with at this point. And it's just like you said, like there's this reveal where you don't quite see them. Then all of a sudden, yeah, what? Like the camera goes up and you see one of the gorillas. Yeah. So that's one thing is that like, yeah, I know you look at it now and you go, wow, that's, that's pretty lame, but it, it's absolutely not lame at the time. Right. Uh, and the other thing is just the, the kind of the themes of the book and the movies, you know, there's, there's a lot of grown up stuff going on in that yeah. about like, you know, about all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, kind of what we today might call environmentalism mm-hmm. or, you know, the nature of, of power and class and race. I mean, absolutely. That came out in what, the late 60s? Yeah, 1968 right? was the first one, and they continued through in 73 for the four movies, or five five movies, rather. I was I remember there's that one 
where they they got like the the reconditioning center. I remember being very upset about that <laughs> yes, when I was little. I do too. I vividly remember that. That one I did not is, like that. No, um, that one is uh, I believe Conquest of the Planet of the Apes with Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban, and uh, he uh, has okay. So I don't spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. If, if we must in the movie prior to that escape from the planet of the apes, uh, what takes place there is, um, is, is you have the main two apes, Cornelius and Zira. They have, uh, they have escaped earth's destruction. Uh, because if you remember as of course you do, at the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes, a mm-hmm. nuclear bomb is discovered. The mutant humans are worshiping it as a god, and yep. it winds up being detonated. And, a little bit of a spoiler. Yeah, and destroys the entire planet. But unbeknownst to the viewers, Cornelius and Zira have managed to escape, and they have escaped the Planet of the Apes, and uh, using uh, Taylor's spaceship that they repaired. Pretty clever. Got away went they went through a time warp and they arrive back in what is uh i guess supposed to be like probably the 1990s or something like that yeah yeah slightly like futuristic almost like uh i want to say alphaville but like a new wave futuristic yes yes and it what uh what has happened is a i'm not i wish i was making this up a space virus killed all the dogs and cats on earth mm. and as a result uh from have of, statues of dogs yes there is uh there is and it says rover under the dog That's right why do i remember i don't this? know My why God. you do because i have to watch this every day i don't know how you remember it uh but <sighs> so uh and you're hearing this through ricardo montalban's explanation to uh corny well okay i'm getting ahead of myself so anyway cornelius and zira uh, who are speaking apes from the far future wind up in escape from a planet of the apes wind up uh, going to what is essentially present day and their baby, a speaking ape who becomes Caesar uh, is they're killed and Caesar is given to Ricardo Montalban to his circus. And he raises Caesar as his child, his ape child in the circus and then at some point decides to go into the city and the city is this sort of di- it's not it's it's kind of big brother esque it's kind of little 1984ish because now that all the dogs and cats have been killed by the space virus people still want their pets so they started out yeah. with monkeys and then eventually gradually decided that they what they wanted were were actually chimpanzees and and sometimes orangutans and gorillas but mainly chimpanzees uh and so now everywhere you go there's chimpanzees everywhere. They're they're integrated. Are they like servants. They're servants. They're taught yeah. to to go shopping. On oh, behalf remember of they a teach person. them not to spill the tray. Oh, it's so upsetting. It was <gasps> so disturbing to me as a little kid. These whole scenes where you've got like everyone's in these sort of uniforms and you have these sort of sad, uh, super anxious little chimpanzees running around and 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 you have like the instructor who's over there saying no, do no, like yelling at them like that. As they try to like pour a glass of water and, and mess it up, and they're shooting flamethrowers at them, it, very disturbing. Very disturbing. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to spoil sending, the rest of the movie. I'm sending you a picture of uh, sex, sexy Kim Hunter as uh, Zira. 
Um, Dan, I think we got some sponsors this week. Would you like to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about a new sponsor that I hope becomes a long-term sponsor because how often does it happen where out of the blue, a sponsor reaches out and it turns out that like you're using the heck out of the sponsor already and you can't believe it. And that's the story with, uh, with the RX bars. Do you know, do you have RX bars up there? I don't know. You don't know. I'm, I'm interested. I want to learn about okay. RX bars. The RX bar. I, I found, oh, look at this. This looks healthy. I found out about this thing uh, hmm. in, in the, the gym that I go to, and they had them, you could buy them from like the gym. They had them stocked there. And you finish your workout, and you're starving, of course. I'm like, okay, I'll try one of these things. And I got totally hooked on the RX bars, and I've been eating them you know, every time I work out and, and in between. I probably have one every single day. So I'm like already a customer and they, uh, they contacted us. I was like, you gotta be kidding me because like I'm looking over, I have a box of these on my desk. So let me tell you what these are. They are a, what they call a whole food protein bar. They're made with a hundred percent whole ingredients. Uh, they put the core contents on, I'm looking at one here. Look at this label. Right on the front of of the label. So let me, let me pick one of my favorites out. I'll read you this one. Okay, here's an awesome one. Chocolate uh, sea salt bar. Mm-hmm. Three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, no BS. BS so, means bad stuff. That's correct. And everything in these, this is like their their primary ingredients. Everything's like 100% uh, real. And they also put right on the thing, very easy to see, like, this is how many grams of protein in it. This is how many carbs are in it. Like, and these things are awesome and they taste really, really good. They don't add any sugar to it. They don't add any fillers to it. My absolute all-time favorite, if you're out there and you're like going to the store and you want to get one of these, I love the app, the apple cinnamon, number one, absolute favorite. Hmm. But like I'm having these things all the time, super simple ingredients. It's amazing that like real food actually tastes good and you can taste the difference. You can taste the apple in it. You can taste the sea salt and uh, like it's – I'm saying I want one of You mean it, right tastes, it tastes like food? It tastes like food, Merlin. I think that's important to call out because a lot of food that is supposed to be food does not taste like food. That's right. I've had a lot of these that, that tasted like sawdust and bad uh, memories. Not, this is not like that. And they're – all of them, every one of them – are gluten free, they're soy free, they're dairy free, no sugar, no artificial anything, no colors, flavors, preservatives, nothing like that. It's like egg whites for protein, dates bind it together, nuts add the texture, and this is like I'm not going to tell you you mm. should skip breakfast. I'm mm-hmm. saying if you wound up in a situation where you couldn't eat breakfast, you eat one of these like you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Should uh, I try one of these variety packs? That's what I have. That's what I get because I don't. Right. I don't want to get in a rut and just get apple cinnamon all the time. Uh, okay. So here's here's the deal. You can get these like locally at most stores, but if uh, if you want to get in on this, twenty five percent off your first order. Rxbar.com slash back to work. I'm there, and the promo code is back to work. I, I can tell you, I have tried every single kind of protein bar that exists out there. And these things are my favorite. I, they, they couldn't pay me to say that. I eat these things all the time. They're awesome. Uh, rxbar.com slash back to work, 25% off your first order. And uh, it, yeah, just go, go get the assorted pack because they're all good. Like you're, I have never had one where I was like, ooh, I don't like that. I've had ones where I'm like, that's not my number one. Mm-hmm. Apples and cinnamon. It's hard to fight apple and cinnamon. Like it's hard Mm-mm. to battle that down. 
Don't anyway, fight Apple and Cinnamon. Super excited about this sponsor. So please, uh, if you're you know if you're into this kind of thing and you ever get hungry and want food, mm-hmm. consider getting a, a pack of RX bars. RX Dan's bar. not telling you to skip breakfast. You go to rxbar.com/slash back to work. Back to work. Welcome to the back to work family. RX bar. Bok, nice? bok. Yeah. There you go. They got an official bok bok. Yep. Uh, I sent you a picture of a sexy ape. You're free to use for show art. Now the um, other thing, the other thing, and I, yes. I want you to weigh in on this, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on, I'm going over. Look at the clicking, clicking, loading. Oh yeah, she's very, she's very, uh, very comely. Yeah. Um. There is a, an actress playing a a human in the movie. Her name is Linda Harrison. Is that Eve? Nova, but you, Nova. you, you can call her Eve. Um, Eve. <laughs> yeah, Eva. Um, classified <laughs> she, I love that scene so much she is a very uh, very attractive actress very very beautiful woman excellent hair excellent hair and she is in the Planet of the Apes movie and I think she's again in um, in one of the in uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes or no maybe Beneath the Planet of the Apes she's in but uh, she my my son has also decided that if that's his sort of that's what he's going to go for when he's older he's got a, he's got a type that this is that her, she is his type she is that's his back girl. yeah that's his back girl. yeah oh my god and so like i'm realizing it and i mean she is kind of in the little it's not super skimpy or anything but it's it's more than what Girls she's very, the, but she's very attractive, very charismatic. She's got kind of like a, almost like a little bit of a Sophia Loren kind yeah, of look. Yeah, and she's got a, yeah, she's got a nice tan and everything else, and nice tan, yeah. she doesn't talk too much. And so anyway, he's decided that um, <laughs> that that this is like his like his prototype woman now. This is like his type. So <laughs> wow, that's you know good pick. Yeah, yeah. I never, you know, I I I didn't I didn't she didn't really resonate with me as a kid uh, for whatever reason, but. There you go. Ape City. I'm going to close that tab. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do that. (laughs) Can I uh, suggest a couple YouTube-ish things to you? Yes. And both of which I'm very reluctant to even mention because they should not be up, probably. But um, let me go to my history. Um, So one of the – I posted this on Twitter last night. I I don't think I've ever seen this before. Um. I'll put it in, it's in, I think I put it in show notes. David Letterman's first ever appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, November 1978. Oh, wow. And I mean, his bit's funny. I mean, if you like David Letterman, it's funny. It's kind of proto what we think of as Letterman humor. You know, it's funny enough. It's a little bit problematic in parts. <laughs> but the best part is when you can hear very clearly Johnny Carson just bust a gut. About like a minute and 40 seconds in, you just hear this, <laughs> and Carson's laughing the entire time. And Letterman has talked about this experience so many times, it's fun to finally see it. He talked about, you know, every comedian who's gotten, gotten reached this point talks about this. The moment where you get to be on The Tonight Show, they finally get it booked. You haven't gotten bumped. You're on the air. You go out there. Oh my God, Johnny's hosting tonight because Johnny didn't host every night. You go out there and Johnny introduces you. And then you, you do your thing and maybe Johnny laughs and you're like, oh my God, Johnny Carson is laughing. And then at the end, if Johnny, Johnny would give you the okay symbol and like basically pull you over to panel and say like, like, but if you didn't get called over, you didn't just assume. And you can see a letterman out of the corner of his eye looking right 
to, to his right. And you could tell he's kind of just keeping an eye on Johnny because he's hearing Johnny laugh and then that makes him laugh. Right. And I don't know, just as somebody who's a little bit of a performer, but definitely a fan of comedy, there's something kind of special about getting to see that moment when this guy's career just like went on fire. Highly recommend it. It's, I think it's in show notes. Can't wait Can to you imagine that, that though? That's how it used to be, man. Gatekeepers, you know? Yeah. Johnny's the ultimate, like, not that you were going to have a huge career, but wow. I mean, so many, there's a, there's a I've talked about the show, this Johnny Carson podcast I like, where this uh, fella, Mark, somebody goes out and interviews people related to the Carson show. And to a person, everybody says the same things, you know, that Johnny was very private. You know, uh, it's hard to get to know Johnny. Um, he didn't talk backstage or anything, but also just that feeling of like, once you've been on the Tonight Show, and then the next day, like you go to a car wash and people recognize you. Yeah. Like what? What a different time that was. But I know you're a fan, like like me. I, Super I know you're a fan, fan yeah. of Johnny. It's still and, I, I uh, love I any time that uh, I'm definitely going to watch this. Any time that I get to see some of those classic moments, like I'm not quite in the such a fan anymore that. I'm going to like sit down and watch a, watch full, a whole episode. Yeah, yeah, but I right. love when people find like you're doing, like find these really great clips that, that uh, really bring things back. Like after Don Rickles passed, um, oh, you know, I was, I was kind of binging on all of his different appearances and how he, he, I think, did we talk about this? How he broke the little uh, cigar. Yeah, box we did. And, we talked yeah, about it. So. That was, it's, and he goes to the Carson goes over to the CPO Sharky set. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that got me down that rabbit hole, too. And it's probably how I ended up arriving at my second suggestion. Now, before I mention this, I don't want to get this guy in trouble. Let's not mention the name of this channel. We will put it in notes. Okay. But do you see the picture of a guy with glasses? Uh, yes. Okay, click on that. Okay, hold on. It's, it's clicking. May the gods smile on us, and this guy's channel never gets discovered. Oh, yeah, because it would all get shut down. Okay, what, do you, what do you see here? Hold on, it's still still loading. Lots of clicking. My God, what is happening to the internet? I think I'm using 100% of my bandwidth you there. Got your there. fans coming up. Oh, look at that. All old clips from late night. Look at Some that. late show, mostly late. Look at that. Oh, and they're man. all like a, just a couple hundred views. No one knows about this. Yeah, I, I'm responsible for a lot of these views. Um, <laughs> the stuff that Charles watch, Grodin, he's got all any, the Grodins. Okay, there you go. Watch anything with Charles Grodin. Yeah. Anything with Charles Grodin on here. So good. There's so much great Chris. They got all of his Marlon Brando appearances oh, on here. Bananas. So like it's all it's all on here. My favorites anyway. were always when, when Grodin would show up because in early on, uh, they he was he was just kind of they were just kind of like you know, a regular interview talking, but at some point, things, pretty early on, pretty early it on, switched, and he took this kind of Groden took this kind of openly hostile, openly position. yes, where where he's like, no, Dave, I didn't do that, you know, and it, but it was so, good, and he they never dropped it, they never let it drop. Uh, maybe the commercial break they would, but they oh no, Groden is so committed, so, and of course Dave is just laughing it up, but yeah. Groden. All the Groden appearances are great. Look at Larry Bud Melman. There's your pal Roger Moore. Till Tuesday. Look at that. Amy Mann in 1988. Anyway, I'm not going to mention it here. I'm not sure it would make any difference, but please don't tell YouTube about this. But you go to show notes and... Um, and they have quite a few of these. Oh, so and good. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It's it's a great way. Like I Sometimes I just want to like hang out before bedtime and just watch some stupid TV and... Oh, it's so fun. You know what, though? You talk about uh, Carson being sort of the gateway, and, and there used to be 
like things that you would do if you wanted to have a career in TV or in Hollywood or as a comedian or whatever. It was like, it's not like there was a formula per se. But there were paths. There were paths. And Mm -hmm. being on Carson or being on Letterman, like these were the things that you did. Like, oh, you have a movie coming out? Okay, you're going to be on one of these shows. You're going to do this thing. And it... Things are so different now. I mean, you know, you can you can just put a video on YouTube and potentially become a star. You know, it's such a different such a different thing. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why there was so so many people have wanted to use something like YouTube because it's it's a way for people to get what they want to create out there in the world in ways that they were never ever able to before but at the same time there's so much stuff out there it's impossible to find what's good whereas someone like Letterman would make sure that like only the good stuff was on there you know Carson was was making sure that only the very very best of what was going on at that time would kind of be in the public eye in a way but that also kept a lot of really great, talented people who weren't able to get on that path from ever making it. Yeah, you can you can put stuff out and you can reach a large, but maybe not. Well, initially, it's not going to be a super invested audience. Like right. you might have a video that's hot and that kind of like makes people notice you. But you know, the thing with Johnny is I don't even, I'm trying to find this quickly. You can hear me typing. I mean, how many millions of people watched his show every night? It was never even a question. Like everybody watched, everybody watched at least the monologue usually. And they go to bed, they watch the news and the monologue. That's what every adult I knew did. Mm -hmm. That's the other side of it though, is that like you could be totally unheard of. Like you could maybe be like where people in LA would know you from clubs, maybe like other comedians, Yeah. but you go on this show and suddenly, you know, whether it's like Louis Anderson or like people just would go on the show and suddenly like everybody knew who they were. But like that was no guarantee that you'd get invited back. It was, it was, it's a very, it was a very complicated system, but now there's nobody like that really anymore. Um, do you, did you have a, a favorite time period for Dave that, that you really liked best? Like, was there a certain era of, yeah, of his absolutely. stuff do you mm-hmm. I would say from the time I started watching earnestly in well I kind of the thing is the show changed a fair amount I'm going to say around 87 or 88 where the show got in some ways wonderful ways got 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 more broadly silly like before that there would be stuff like remember he had the dancing waters yeah and then he got a cease and desist and he had to change it to the prancing fluids. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have a fountain with colors in front of your desk? That is so re- But it was so freaking funny. So I'll say from 84 to 88 was, is probably my favorite. It's got the stuff, you know, again, it's always whatever you remember seeing first. But he was still, he was still you know, pretty committed to the show. And um, it was a great time. What about you? You know, I, there are kind of, there are two different time periods that I most remember that I most think of as, as being my favorite time periods for Dave. And one was in the very, very early days when he was on super late at night and, you know, was just, it really did feel like they were just making stuff up. It felt like if you saw the production quality of the show back then, you would think it was cable access television. I mean, back then I think it was, it was, 
more acceptable. But by today's standards, it looks like mm-hmm. something like if you and I had like a couple hundred bucks and a couple hours, we could we could build that whole set. And, and on top of which, there were all the limitations from Carson's production company right. about what they weren't allowed to do. You right. could not book like bands with horns. You could not. You <laughs> Is could that not so? Bring, I'm pretty sure you could not do. You could not. Well, you could not have a band on the show that seemed like the the Tonight Show like, band. What was it called? The Doc Severinsen's band. I forget what the official name was. I guess it's Tonight Show band. But yeah, that's why they had to have a rock band there. But also then you couldn't book, like if a comedian came to town, you if that person was on Carson, you couldn't book him on Letterman. This is all, you know, twice told tales. Everybody knows this. But like that caused them to really scramble and to discover like, you know, like in the case of Chris Elliott, he was a writer on the show. Right. And then started doing the panicky guy and the guy under the seats and the Terminator guy and started doing all of those. And, or, you know, later on, Marlon Brando. So weird. Barbara Gaines. Remember Barbara Gaines at first? You just hear her yelling from backstage. <laughs> right. <laughs> Production assistant Barbara Gaines. Uh, and then eventually he'd bring her out. And then he would do those stunts like where he was at Barbara. Every night they would do something where they got paid more scale from the Screen Actors Guild. So like the first night they walked out with a non-speaking part. The next time they walked out and said a sentence and they said three sentences and then they did it under like a sandbag so they got paid like hazardous pay. Oh my God. They shoot an episode upside down. They shoot an episode on a plane. They shoot an episode where Letterman just comments on the rerun while he's watching it. It was, it was, there was no rules. No. And so I, I enjoyed that time. And then I remember when, um, up until but close to the point where he left NBC and went to CBS mm-hmm. was a wonderful time because there was you could you really the late that was the late night wars time period you didn't know who was going to get you know Carson had announced his retirement you didn't know who was going to be filling his shoes exactly there was mm-hmm. so you know basically with that movie that that uh that late I, shift. yeah I I still think late shift holds up um i got a copy of it yeah it's you know it 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 does give a good window but i felt like that time he was still being creative he had that just absolute hatred of nbc and you know he would make fun of the um of the exacts at nbc this is the time period where he was he was remember the official ge corporate handshake yes yes he went he went went to greet Bob, what was the guy's name? The guy who was the head of GE and the security guy. Dave extends his hand to the security guy. The security guy just barely starts to extend his hand. Then boom, pulls it off to the side. <laughs> and they kept showing it in slow motion over and over. Such a great time period. So that was that was pretty good. When he moved to CBS, I felt yeah. like he got a lot more. He started treating the show, and, and I understand why, but he started treating it more seriously in a way. Not that he didn't treat it seriously before, but like it became kind of like more of an enterprise. And um, it was a little more grown up. Had a, obviously a way nicer theater, and the lighting and everything was was so much better. But like his interview style went from where he would really, I mean, f- the term we would use now was he would really troll his guests a lot. Um, he stopped doing that and he started, yeah. you know, uh, treating it more as, as straightforward interviews as opposed to just, let's just have some laughs. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In the early days, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how much of it came out of his inexperience, right. but also it was just that his, his whole bit, you can even see it in his standup was that he's the, he's this like smarmy rube from Indiana doing weird observation, observational comedy about like doing your dishes in an airplane toilet and stuff like, (laughs) but very, very funny, silly stuff. But he was never cowed 
by his guests. So right. there were some people like poor brother Theodore, people who just got so provoked by him or Harvey Pekar in the early days would get so provoked. I, I think Harvey Pekar was like genuinely pissed. It really seemed like it. Right. And, and he would just be going <laughs> and just laughing and throwing his pencils in the ceiling. And yeah, you're right. That totally anarchic like situationist like attack on like celebrity culture yeah less so because then you know you could even see you know taste of like when they went to las vegas and they had the dancing girls you know coming on dancing sideways but no it was still a really good show but yeah in the last few years obviously i think he lost a lot of his he's talked a lot about this i think he lost a lot of his fire for it yeah it's a grueling grueling business yeah i mean imagine showing up every you know five nights a week uh and and you're not just showing up five nights a week, you know, you're showing up and you're meeting with the writers and you're working on the bits and you're dealing with interviewing guests and you're on stage with all the lights, the makeup, you're in a, a, a full suit, you know, I mean, it is, it is, if you've, if anyone listening has ever been to like a TV studio for any reason, even just as a guest, seeing what goes on in the production and seeing what these people are doing, the idea of coming in and doing that five days a week and being on in that way. Uh, I mean, and how many years did he do it for 30 some years? I mean, no wonder he yeah. grew the beard out, you know, and just doesn't want anything to do with any of that. You know, it's, it's got to take a toll. Yep. Yep. That's why, <clears throat> but like, that's why when you look at somebody, especially looking at somebody like John Stewart, it's even more amazing because everybody who's ever worked with him talks about how hands-on he was with mm. every part of it and like genuinely improving, like everything went through him and it wasn't just because he was the taskmaster, but it was because he genuinely improved everything that he worked on mm. and worked just as hard as every single person who contributed. And then he did it, whatever, four nights a week. That's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Seth Meyers, Seth Meyers has mm-hmm. talked about, you know, the shift from doing SNL to doing his show and how it's evolved over time. He was on Fresh Air recently. And one I mean, he said something so obvious it's worth thinking about, which is that, you know, when he was doing SNL, he just didn't see his wife, mm-hmm. you know? And now I guess he's got a kid and stuff. And like, you know, he records at a reasonable time with probably three or four o'clock. And then he gets to have a little bit of a life. I think that's totally understandable. I mean, you know, you really, people in that business, especially when you become an institution, the way Carson was an institution or the way Dave was. And, you know, I mean, I think it's still true for like, you know, like Howard Stern, uh, who you need, you need to show up on the days that you're doing it, whether you're well or not. And he, <laughs> and you heard about Howard Stern getting the flu not that long ago. No. Okay. Well, he didn't show up for work on, it was like a Monday and he, he called in sick or he took a day basically. And the, all of his fans and the internet as a whole was completely like, oh my gosh, he has cancer, he's dying, he was in a car accident, you know, something terrible must have happened to him. Or they're like, nope, he's not going to do the show anymore, he's canceling the show. I mean, it was a huge deal for a, you know, 24-hour period. And he came back the next day, uh, you could tell that he was very, very sick. Uh, He had the flu. And he's like, hmm. I had one day off. I had the flu. He's like, I haven't done this before. He's like, but I felt terrible. And he's like, everybody, the whole world was coming apart. He's like, I felt guilty enough skipping a day. But, you know, like people count on that. People, if you turn on TV at 1130 at night and like Letterman wasn't there. Yeah. You know, like what what's going on? You know, I mean, it was it was one of those things where. You can't just take a personal day. You can't just, oh, I didn't feel like going in that day or, ah, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm just going to skip. You can't. 
Yeah, no thanks. And whatever whatever they give them when they are sick to be able to get through and do a show. There were there were times I remember Dave would do a show and he would be completely like <laughs> he would say, I am so sick right now. I am completely miserable right now. But he was still there doing the show. But you know, like imagine having like the flu or a fever or a stomach thing and knowing that like, guess what? You're still on your way to work now. You're still gonna be on in front of millions of people tonight. Like that's what's happening. No, thanks. There's a running bit through Veep that Selena Myers is, you know, kind of like, you know, she, she takes uppers of some kind (laughs) and she gets, gets very energetic. There was, there's one scene where she says, what is she, she says, I think to the doctor, I need something like, I need, um, I need some medicine. You know, the Mariah needs to perform tonight medicine. (laughs) Uh Uh, Dan, tell me about something else that you like. I would like to tell you about blue apron blue apron friends friends of the show i would say by now Mm -hmm. and uh blue apron is the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery home service in the country so here's how it works you say what what do you want for dinner tonight and and they say i I don't know and say well let's cook together it'd be fun it'd be like let's let's actually spend time together as a family and and make food ourselves and enjoy the food that we just made together and 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 bond with each other and actually eat something nutritious for a change. And your the other person says, "This is a really great idea. What do you want to do?" And the first person says, "Well, uh, I don't know. What do we have in the fridge?" And the second person says, "We have a frozen pizza." And you wind up putting that in and then not speaking to each other while you watch Netflix all night. Now, that's fine, but that's not a way to live. That's all I'm trying no, to say. That's a that's a grim portrait. Okay, but that's that's what everyone's dealing with. Better than that is you call up Blue Apron. Well, you go to the website. You don't have to call them. And what they do is they send you food and recipes. They have well-vetted all these recipes. They're very, very good. And the food that they send is the best kind of food you're going to get. They get it from local uh, farms like fisheries, ranchers across the U.S. So all the seafood comes from sustainably sourced uh, places. Beef, chicken, pork comes from responsibly raised animals. The produce comes from farms that do regenerative farming. I mean, and then they are only sending you exactly what you need to make these recipes. So there's zero waste and you can get really, really great meals. They send you what you need. There's no shopping involved and the meals turn out really, really great. Uh, And then they're coming up with really good stuff. They don't repeat meals. It's not like every week it's the same thing. You know, they've got like a, they have to smoke trout. They do a honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes. Like they're always changing it around and it's stuff that you can make and what they, the recipes actually turn out looking like the pictures on the recipe cards. Uh, It's like not a gimmick. Like the food actually turns out and works and it usually can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. And, uh, and, and you wind up spending less than $10 per person per meal. It's a wonderful thing to do, especially if you want to reconnect with your loved ones, if you're, if you're busy, but you don't want to keep eating uh, junk food and frozen food all the time. It's a wonderful, wonderful solution. Uh, we do this at home quite a bit and, uh, and I really enjoy it. it the URL to go to is blueapron.com slash back to work. And uh, you're going to love this. I mean, it, it feels great to make your own food and to eat food that tastes good. I'm not that great of a cook, but like I can do all these recipes. Well, there's a nice side benefit too. They, they give you these beautiful recipe cards. <clears throat> they are, they're just 
I don't say they're difficult to make. They're easy to, they're, they're not, they're easy to make, but they're not like stupid easy to make. Like it's kind of, it's fun to make. Yeah. But you know what? They don't make you return that recipe card. You get to keep that. Yeah, that's your So thing. people like, uh, like friend of the show, uh, Tiff Armet, she has them all organized like in a binder. People in Sy- Syracuse does this. Like they'll remake sure. uh, Blue Apron stuff just based on how much they liked it from the recipe card. So, you know, that's Great one idea. to grow on. Great idea. So blue, it's blue, a better way to, I think it's a better way to cook is the way I look at it. Blueapron.com slash back to work. You'll get three meals free with free shipping. So again, to, to get in on that, it's a great way to get started. Uh, blueapron.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to Blue Apron for supporting the program. Buck, buck. <clears throat> I mean, you know, like the idea of uh, the idea of there being a show, like I don't have a show anymore that like I look forward to watching every night or that I have as part of my routine, like, Oh, well it's, it's this, mm-hmm. it's this time. And, uh, I better put the thing on so I can see what's, what's going on in the world. I mean, Letterman was something I watched. I don't say every night, but like a lot of nights yeah. in college. Like that was just, it was just something that you did. Yep. You're right. There's not too much like that. Veep is my favorite TV show right now. Um, I like lots of other things. I'm trying to think of what I just don't miss. I try to catch commercials, um, right? You don't miss that. Love commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the ones where they're sitting in the bathtub holding hands. Ping pong, ping pong. Um, but uh, no, not, not too many things like that anymore. I mean, like, you know, there's the things where you don't want to get spoiled, like where you like Game of Thrones type things or like Walking Dead where I'll like watch it when it's on. But um, yeah, not too much. Different times. Did you ever uh, start watching that um, American Gods show? Uh, no, I'm still where I was before. Okay. I, I canceled my stars thing because I didn't want another eel. But uh, no, I, I need to find that. Um, well, actually, a listener reached out to us about that. Thank you to that listener. But I will I will get to it. That seems like one of those shows where I'm going to want to watch them kind of in a row-ish. Not strictly a binge, but like, is it a bingey kind of show? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bit more through it now, into it now than I was the last time that we talked. Um and so, you know, I'm li- I actually like it a little bit less than I did. Interesting. Uh, Are you up to four or five? Uh, seven, I think. Oh, wow. Seven or eight. Getting up there. I don't know how many are left. Mm. But I, I really, really dug the first few episodes. And now mm, we'll see. We'll see if it comes back out of it. But okay. I haven't, I didn't, I mean, I realized it, but I didn't realize it until I really started to dig in. That uh, you know, this was this was a a very well received Neil Gaiman uh, novel. Oh, really? You didn't know that? I did not know that. I know I knew it, but then I forgot it, and now I know yep. it again. I um, I it occurs to me about once a year that the word podcast is a riff on the word broadcast, and I, right, I that occurs right. to me about once a year, and then I very rapidly forget about it. This is the this is the way my mind works. Isn't that sad? Like, oh, podcast, that's really clever. It's like broadcast. It's the worst. Yeah, it is. But I mean, what's, wait, it's worse that that's the, the name of it? No, 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 no. Just that, just that, like, there's all kinds of, there's so many things where, like, obviously everybody tries to give the name of their thing a clev- clever, like, clever meaning, a double meaning. And I frequently don't understand the double meaning of things for many, many years. 
where I don't get the like what you know what it's what it's riff riffing on. Like I tried to introduce uh, the concept last night. We're we're reading these. Uh, we finished all the Percy Jackson novels, and now we're reading the next in the series and uh, Heroes of Olympus. I think it's called. And uh, at the end of the one thing, there's there's one character, and a lot of the characters come from, you know, or I would say most of them come from actual Greek mythology. And wow. so they're, you know, sometimes I'll I'll Google a picture of it on my phone, and I'll say, look, here's an actual Grecian urn with this character painted on it, and this is where the stories all come from. And and uh, so last night I said, uh, how much does a Grecian urn? And he's like, what does that mean? And I explained it, and it, like you say, like you explain something, then it's not as fun anymore no you have to explain it no my hovercraft is full of eels those are very funny things yeah do you want to do some um so oh no you know i don't want to cut you off Uh, no i'm done i'm all done bring the bring the ruckus no it's it's all good uh listener feedback this is i think this is a really easy one but it's worth uh listener adam I always enjoy your talk on TV streaming and streaming devices. How, however, I haven't heard you discuss the Chromecast. Have you tried one? What do you think? Dan, do you have a Chromecast? Have you tried one? What do you think? I got a Chromecast when it was first announced. And I did use it briefly and then never used it again. And I think it was because the user experience was lacking at the time. I have not yet returned to it and tried to see if it was better. Interesting. I've wanted to pick one up, but Amazon doesn't sell them. And right. I'm not going to go to a store. Um, it's, it's, I, so I don't have one. I've never used one, but just hearing other people talk about it, it sounds like it is very well suited to people who are not simply in the Google ecosystem, but are especially in the Google media ecosystem, which I guess I kind of am with YouTube. Yeah. But like for people who are like, it's got its own version of like AirPlay, right? Like you can throw, you basically throw stuff to it, right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly, I think what you were intended to do. I think now it still can have stuff thrown to it easily, but I think now it has a little bit more of its own kind of you know, interface mm-hmm. where you can get through it, but it's more like a fire stick. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd still like to try one, <clears throat> but, um, I don't feel like that's particularly the way of the future or anything. The, the little, it seems like the kind of thing you might leave in a suitcase for like, if you want to watch something in a hotel room. Well, I think I tried, I was going to try it with that. And then when I got to the point where I wanted to use it, uh, it, there were a lot of hoops to jump through at the time to get it to work on the, you know how the hotel Wi-Fi is always a little yeah, bit a captive different. portal. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and that didn't quite play well at the time, or I was too stupid to figure it out either way. Uh, so yeah. And the other thing is, uh, there, it needs to be USB powered. So it has a little cable coming off of it. Um, oh, it's it's an HDMI and a USB? Yes, it does not, Ugh. or at least when I got it, the one that I had did not get power over HDMI. And so you had to still plug it in. And many TVs will have a USB port that can deliver uh, deliver power without, you know, the it doesn't like get detected by the thing or whatever. So uh, I had to do that. Listener Adam, I would like to try it someday, but I have not yet going to be very interesting to see what happens with Apple TV 
remember Tim saying that apps are the future of TV? Mm-hmm. I think, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. <clears throat> I think apps may not be the future of TV. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be the future of TV? A TV-like interface? Like, you know, it's just that, like, right, it feels like right now with Apple TV, including use of the app called TV, I st- it's like when you got a regular TV, like back in the day, you got your you got your television set, you got your cable box and the coax that goes into it. Um, this is a little bit of a stretch, but it feels a little bit like I have 16 different cable boxes right now to have to like jump out of something, boom, yeah. go to something else, you know, mm-hmm. do the double hit on the little uh, device dingus to jump around. Um so, I mean, ideally, I mean, like, there's there's one piece that's always, like, so missing from all of this, including freaking Hulu, is, like, you know, one of the things, like, so much was great about the TiVo. So much was great about the TiVo. Obviously, the ability to time shift, the ability to record, but also the programming guide was really good. The programming guide was pretty up to date and gave you a really good idea of what was going to be on in the future. I, on the Apple TV, now this is, this is kind of two different problems. It's part, part of it's a UX problem and part of it is a deals problem. From a UX standpoint, that's usually crap on Apple TV. There's no, I mean, like you, you have to stop watching. And, and here I'm talking about all the TV apps, most of the video apps. If you're watching something inside of an app and you want to see what else is on or what's on in the future, in most cases, you got to menu out of wherever you are, go to the area where they list things, and then go there and like try to suss out what all is on. Right. Hulu has improved on this a little bit with something they call, I think, FlipPad, which is when you're watching something on Hulu for Apple TV and you flip up from the bottom of the remote, you can see like thumbnails of all the other stuff that's on right now. But, you know, it, that, that's better. So on the one hand, there's the implementation of program guides, even in like a given app, is so poor. It's so... There's so much horizontal scrolling on Apple TV. I don't know what the solution to that is, but horizontal scrolling is not easy or fun. It's easy to get wrong. It should be one of those things where you don't have to think about it, but you end up like going and then like ending up in the wrong place. And it's, it's really, really gross. So, I mean, that's, that's something that's not being done that well in that many places. But then you jump up to the bigger like deals level. And like, so what would it look like if that program guide existed but not just for all the channels that a given service gets, but for all of the services. Like right now, if you sear your way into like show me the TV show Doctor Who, it'll then say open in or like here's the ways you can watch that. All, these are the apps that you have or could get that'll let you watch this. But it's, an, it's interesting from both a deal standpoint and a design standpoint. It's, it's interesting to think about how you tackle that on something like Apple TV. Because I, it's hard for me to imagine that in five years, it's still going to be a bunch of buttons. It seems like at yeah. some point you've got to land on some combination of here's stuff that's on right now and here's stuff we think you'd want to watch right now regardless of whether it's on. And I don't know what that looks like, but I think for this to get successful, it really needs something like that. I totally agree. And, you know, it's stupid and and frustrating as just a regular old guide can be. You know, when I go to the place where I get my hair cut, uh, they have just regular cable playing and they've got, you know, the regular old DVR interface and I'll tell you what, like I sit down in front of that. I'm like, yeah, I remember this and I can find what I want right away. Yeah. You, you know? just right click. And again, you know, you're not sliding with your finger. <laughs> if you're right clicking through CBS, you just click it, click it, click it until you get to something you want to see someday. You hit the record button, you confirm and you go back to where you were. Right. And that's it. That's simple. You know, 
like right now, I've been trying to figure out they've been heavily promoting on MSNBC, they've been heavily promoting this thing that was on over the weekend called um, All the President's Men Revisited. Hmm. Spoiler alert, I think it might be an old TV show that they're just running again, like from even like a decade ago, but I can't tell. I, I wanted to watch it though. So I go to MSNBC. I, you know, of course, then it's just you see the big placards for all the shows. Do you want to watch this show, that show? But like there was nothing in there for that. So finally, I did a series search on All the President's Men Revisited and I landed on it in Hulu TV. And so my option was I can add that to my stuff, whatever right. that, I think that means it records things. But to this day now, it's like three, four days later. And as of last night, anyway, it still says there's nothing to watch here. So like, you know, that's, that's a little bit frustrating. For Something sure. that has been heavily, heavily promoted on that particular network. Maybe it's blacked out because they don't have the rights or something, but there's no way to really know. This is, these are old points, but I mean, they're, these are going to be big pain points for people who are used to, I got cable because of sports, and now it's trained me how to use a TV. I think this is going to be a hard road to hoe if they don't find a way to overhaul how we interact with this stuff. Right. And and that's the whole thing is it should be easy. It should be better. I, I think we all agree that it's better to pay for just the stuff that you want and just the stuff that you want to watch. Uh, I think I think I like that a lot better. I'm paying these companies directly and they're giving me the content that I want. And when I don't want it anymore or I want to take a break, I hit a button and it's gone. Yep. And when I want it back, I hit a button and it's back. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting all these other channels and I'm not paying for riders and all this other stuff and still dealing with commercials. It's super simple. It's straightforward. It's just so hard to get to and find the content that I want. Like Netflix has this new, uh, this new series that's uh, called The Keepers. You mm -hmm. heard about that one? Yeah, it looks interesting. It uh, looks depressing. It, yeah, I kind of I started watching it last night. But like I'm sorry, like the idea that I have to go in and use this awkward remote to kind of scrub through and type it in and yes, I know I could talk to it if I wanted. But you know, little things like that, like the interfaces that we're given are are really not that great. And to to really push this forward, I almost feel like we we figured out that like an on-screen guide wasn't a bad of a thing. Like I can read words mm -hmm. much faster than I can see and scroll through giant pictures. You know, if you think about the size of the uh, the pictures of, let's say you're looking at browsing through the movies on Netflix, I think you can only fit about five of them and then you have to start scrolling because they're these very, very big pictures that I, I don't care about the pictures. Just, I know the names of the things I want to see. Let, let the words scroll by and let them scroll vertically instead of, you know, I mean, horizontally rather or vertically up and down instead of horizontally left to right. Like you were saying, yeah. just get, you know, and we had that it's a list. I'm very comfortable with lists. We read that way all the time. Show me a list of text of all of the things that you have, and I'll, I'll find what I want much, much more quickly than I will trying to scroll left to right through these big honking pictures of movie posters. I don't need to see movie posters. Well, you almost ever. want you almost want what I I believe is called constraint in um in on um, on like um OS. Uh, Mac OS. <clears throat> like if you want to do stuff like if you always want, like in the old days, if you want to draw a straight in a drawing app, you could scribble, scribble, scribble. And if you hit shift and started moving in some direction, that would constrain it to a straight line. Do you know what I mean? Yes. 
Okay, so but you just conceptually that makes sense. Yes. You would you you look I know I want this line to be straight. I don't want to be tested on how well I can draw a straight line. If I hold down shift, constrain that. That's an example like where you would do that manually. But you know, I, I don't know how this would work in implementation, but like for example with Hulu, there's a top level navigation, like at literally at the top of every screen, which is like the home page, my stuff, uh, channels, account stuff, something like that. And then below that there's like whatever section you're in. So if you're in the section called home, you go down and now there's this completely bizarre horizontal menu of stuff. There's, and again, I don't have it in front of me, but it's along the lines of like, okay, here is, here's everything that's on right now. Here's movies, here's TV, here's your channels, right? And all that kind of stuff. Now to move between those, remember now you're in a horizontal menu. So if you want something that's two screens away, you have to scroll horizontally all the way across twice. And if I do that very slowly, I can usually hit it. But if I do it really quickly, uh, it, the the cursor or whatever goes flying all over the screen. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of snap to grid. There's not a lot of assistance at like, well, obviously my task at this point is wanting to do something in this horizontal row. Maybe when I start scrolling catch the fact that I mostly want to be horizontal and be more generous about keeping me in that area so I can fly through faster. Am I explaining this properly? Yeah, I think properly? so. And then when I'm done, I pop out. I can like go up or down like with you know a gesture up or a gesture down takes me to the next place. But I would love to be able to have it almost lock on to that horizontal if I, in the same way that, so like in a drawing app, when you're drawing that straight line, it doesn't know which way you want to draw it until you start drawing. But no matter what direction you draw, it constrains it. And that's that's kind of what I'm, I wish there was some hinting right. at knowing, like, this is what I'd like to do here. This is not interesting. No, but, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah. Syracuse and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, it's, the horizontal scroll is just death on a TV. It's, you know, I get it. That's the aspect ratio. That's how stuff is organized. But, like, so many of your design decisions about how many buckets you have and where you put them end up having an impact because there isn't a good guide in most cases. So, yeah. Well, there's still lots of room for improvement. But I have high hopes for the Apple TV, against all evidence. <laughs> when is our Amazon app coming out? Uh, I think they, I want to say they said this summer, but I don't remember. It'll be the very last minute, the last day of summer. Yeah, that'll be nice. I want that TV app to work, but it's it feels pretty weird right now. I agree. I don't think... Um, Computers don't seem to be very good at predicting the kinds of stuff that uh, that you're going to like. And it's even worse when, you know, I know that you can make different accounts, for example, on Netflix. But my kids always just pick the first one, which is, quote unquote, mine. Yeah. So every time I go through it, it's not like, you know, game, not Game of Thrones. It's not a house of cards or the keepers. It's like My Little Pony and, you know the Simpsons or whatever, because it's what my kids are watching. It's what they're putting on there and it gets completely polluted. And it gets a really exaggerated level of confidence about what percentage they think you would give to stuff. I realize they're not going to show me stuff that's 30%, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, now that they have the thumb system rather than the rating system, there's a lot of stuff I get. It's like 98%. It's like a pot comedian. It's like, no, pot comedian is not a 90% percentile thing for me. Right. The, um, no, no. Uh, what was I going to say about Netflix? Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. When you were to go back, you're talking about 
what were we talking about? Nah, TV. Uh, TV. TV. Um, the the TV app. It, it feels like if you were all in in the Apple ecosystem and open to spending a lot of money, it makes huge amounts of sense because basically it's a way of managing your viewing of very large libraries of stuff that you own. Yeah. And then being kind of, you know, reminded that here's a thing you might like. I don't think that's the emergent pattern. I don't, I think that's, that's the way I used to use it. Like a year ago, I would just always go buy the movie, but there's so many movies I have now that I haven't watched. You know, I'm not going to watch amazing Spider-Man two tonight, you know? Right. Um, or, or but hopefully yeah. ever. Well, you know, it's, you're not it's talking about the Tobey Maguire ones. You're talking about, those are just, now, see, now that one I like, yeah, those are good. I've been trying the second to, one. The second one of that one is very good. The first two were fine. Um, Third one is with the black costume. Yeah, third one, which is it was kind. Of, I mean, it was meant to be kind of campy and silly, but I don't think that it comes across that it's intentional. It comes across yeah. that it's sort of you can't tell that it was meant to be. But anyway, I, I didn't like the third one, but the new ones are just oh, just the worst. And I I feel sorry for anyone. That Andrew had to the watch Andrew that. Garfield ones, not the and new he, new ones. Yeah, no, the new yeah. new one looks really good. It's fun, looks fun. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see that. Very very Deadpooly. Yeah, I think I hope so. I mean, he's even like riding on a truck, swinging his legs around. I mean, it's very Deadpooly. Good. Yeah. No, I'm in. I'm in. But the the Andrew Garfield ones. I mean, he he was a terrible. Oh, do we want to do this? No. Okay. No. He was good on that in that Social Network movie. Was he? You didn't like that? him in that? Was he in that? Yeah, he's the guy. He's the other guy. Not the main guy. No, not the main guy. That's uh, Michael Sarah. He's good. I didn't like him as Lex, but um, Michael, Sarah, and Jesse Eisenberg. I will probably are they different? Use. They're not They're the same. Different. Hold on. What's the first one's name? We got Michael Sarah, who's Arrested Development, and Scott Pilgrim and Juno. And then you got Jesse Eisenberg, who is Social Network, Rio, um, buh, buh, what else is he in? He's the more. Oh yeah, he's Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at uh, at him. They're definitely different people. Jesse Eisenberg. That's the one I'm talking about. He. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Look at that. The other. Okay. I feel like. Like, there. I have to introduce you to my to one of my concepts. Okay. And it is the concept of the the protoform. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with this? Have you heard this before? Because I think I have invented it, and I want to go. I've never talked about it publicly. Okay. But I believe that there are. And this is not a strongly held belief. It's just more like a casual it's a thought, observation. It's a thought technology. That's it. Put yourself, put as John Roderick would do, try it, try it on like a sport coat, see if it fits. Um, the concept of a protoform. So a protoform is, have you, ever, have you ever seen, met a person, and you look at the person and you say, you know what, you, you look kind of like this other person who's maybe a celebrity. Uh, and... And and in your mind, you're like, all oh, right, that person looks kind of like this celebrity person. But then right. you, you might also see other people in the world who kind of fit into that sort of so-called oh, yeah. L- yeah, mold. I, like, oh, this is mm-hmm. this person looks just like my friend Bill. That's that's it looks just like Bill. And and uh, and and that's weird. And and so then you could you could almost say, well, this is like a a, a Bill protoform. But what's going to happen is eventually. Because all the, uh, there's always a top person in the protoform. 
Um, for, for example, uh, well, I mean, I have some examples, uh, but the, so there's a top person in the proto form and that person will always be very, very successful and in Hollywood. And so then the people who are maybe not as good of a version of that proto form, they're just regular people in the world. Sometimes they get a little bit of fame, but not as much as the high end, the top proto form. So here's an example. Katy Perry is the top protoform therefore that protoform is called the Katy perry protoform now somebody else who has achieved a decent amount of success but not as much as Katy perry but is in the Katy perry uh, protoform would be zoe Deschanel. she is a Katy perry protoform she's still famous hmm. but she's not at the top and then i'm sure there's someone in your life that you've met that you've said oh you know it kind of looks like Katy perry that's because they're a Katy perry protoform and so i would say michael sarah is actually a Jesse Eisenberg proto form. Jesse Eisenberg he's like a, is he's at like the a corgi top. wearing a Jesse Eisenberg. That's, yes. Okay. Got so it. he's he's a proto form almost of of the uh, the other one. But I just I want people to try this out. Maybe their top proto form is not super famous. Maybe it is your friend. But you you know you see like two people are like oh my god that could that could be my friend's brother and then it's not they just that's because of proto forms. Mm. I just want to put that out there. People can do whatever they want to do. Well. I wasn't going to say anything about this because it was in bad taste and too soon. But um, did you see any photos of the guy who did that terrible shooting at the baseball field in Virginia? I, I have not. Okay. Well, is he a protoform uh, of someone? Well, why won't Skype just let me directly type things in? Type it. I don't know what Skype is doing. Uh, this takes so long. All right, here we go. I'm dragging. I'm dragging. Still, to- still looking at Lisa three dot JPEG on there. Provo- oh yeah, look at that. Provocative, provocative <laughs> Planet of the Apes woman. Mm, she, is, she is sitting quite provocatively. Okay. I'm looking. I see the picture. Does that rem- remind you of anybody? Uh kind of, yeah. You don't all I all I saw is Walter Sobchak. Oh yeah. Same shade, you know, glasses and so he's a is he a protoform? He could be a protoform. I would say he is. He is definitely a protoform of that. Yes. Hmm. Of a John, how do you John know Goodman when you've reached, How do you know when you've identified the top protoform? Because like because they got to be famous. Who, they got to be famous. But like Lady Gaga probably has generated a lot of protoforms. But I bet there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, you know." But you're talking. We're talking about actually looks specifically, right? Not just like you couldn't just say that she's a protoform of Madonna. No, no, because they don't look alike. If you you can't do an intent, you can't be you can't be a protoform on purpose. It's like what your what your regular looks would be if you're like in other words, if if you wanted to like dress up like Lady Gaga, that's that's not being a protoform. It's what you just naturally look like, like this guy you just showed me. Like if he winds up being what he is, even if you took off the glasses, he's mm-hmm. still a protoform. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's not so mm-hmm. much that like you can't dress up and be be a protoform. Like you've got to be. And then you know, I think, I, but I think you can you can do this with with a lot of people. You can see someone, mm. you can be like, oh right, and because like you look at them, oh you look like this person. It's because they're they're a protoform of that person. And sometimes like the behaviors <laughs> and personality is even the same. I'm going to think on this. Yeah. This is a very interesting thought technology. I, I don't always like it when people tell me I look like somebody. Sometimes it's meant as a nice compliment, but other times it's just somebody who needs a haircut and is sitting on the street. A little hurtful. <laughs> no, but, uh, but that's not a proto form. Is it? I can't no, tell. it's not going to be. All right. And so 
are you pretty confident when you've identified the top protoform? Yeah, I feel fair, fairly confident when I've done that. Okay. There are, I mean, there are a lot of them, but there, and then there's a lot of people that don't have any sub protoforms. They're just, it's just them. Brokeback Mountain. That's Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yes. Wait, hang on. No, wait. Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. And so James Franco's not in that at all? No. Okay. See, I get confused about James Franco. He's one that might be problematic for me. I'm not sure whether he's the source of or the clone of uh, the protoform. Which which one are you saying he is? Are you saying he's well, more of I a mean, Heath Ledger? Kind of, or? It's a, well, it's a little bit of a, you know, a Paxton Pullman type situation. Yeah. Where yeah. I legit never remembered which is which. I well, would have, it was not, I mean, like honestly, legitimately, I would get confused about which was named which. I knew their faces. I knew like that's the guy from Terminator. That's the guy from Independence Day. Like I'm not an idiot, but like at the same time, like I, I cannot keep them straight in my mind. I, I mean, if for no other, if for no other reason, since Heath is gone, James is at the top, whether he always was or not, mm. he's up there now. Because you can only have there can it's like Highlander there can be only one. Oh, only one. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Can I tell you about something I like? Bigadigadigadoo. No, sorry, that's podcast for yes. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about uh, SendPro. SendPro. SendPro is by a Pitney Bowes, and to some people, I'm going to say Pitney Bowes household name. Something you come home, you sit down, dinner time. What do you want to talk about over dinner? Let's talk about Pitney Bowes, the best place to, to ship stuff, the place that's, uh, that's been around shipping since the, the dawn of time. For other people, maybe that's a new term. SendPro, though, is a pretty cool service. Let me tell you about this. They have a lot of people here on the podcast. You know what they hear? They hear like stamps.com. SendPro has three times the features of stamps.com at one third of the price you print stamps from your computer. Whoa, are you kidding me? That this sounds is, disruptive. This is right. This is true. You print stamps from your computer. Uh, you don't need any special equipment. You never have to go to the post office. It lets you compare shipping rates and delivery times between USPS and all the other major carriers so you know you're going to get the best deal when you're shipping something. You can um, print paid shipping labels for USPS, UPS, and more, it tracks all the stuff built into it, so that when you put a, uh, you know, you you put your thing through, you don't have to like go to another site and enter another tracking. The tracking is all built in, uh, and they have special rates that they negotiate with USPS and other places, so that you're actually getting because they know how much stuff they're actually shipping. It's huge. They like grandfather you in, so you get uh, huge savings, like three cents per stamp, and and even better. And you can do this thing if you're a business where you can like mail now and pay later. There's all these different payment options and stuff. But this is a really, really cool service. And if you're sending stuff like on a regular basis to anyone ever, this is the best service out there. Go to PB for uh, Pitney Bowes, pb.com slash back to work. And when you sign up there, uh, you'll get SendPro free for 90 days and... They're going to send you a free 10 pound scale to keep. That's yours. You get the, that's, you can weigh stuff on it that's up to 10 pounds. Up to 10 pounds, which is handy because, you know, like you want an accurate scale when you're calculating the shit. But you would need cost. a different scale to weigh this scale. 
right? Well, it, you would need two. Mm-hmm. But then, like, how do you know? I mean, it, it scales all the way down. <laughs> when you're free, check, look at these check marks, Dan. There's so many check marks. When on your here. free trial's over, you get Send Pro for mm-hmm. only five dollars a month. Special <sighs> rate is good for the lifetime of your Send Pro subscription. Uh, that's by the way, that's five dollars a month versus fifteen ninety nine a month for for stamps.com. So it's a much better, uh, much better deal. Go check them out. PB.com slash back to work. Send pro free for 90 days and the 10 pound scale. Uh, very, very cool for people who ship stuff. This is the way to go. Check it out. PB.com. Thank you. Thank you, Pitney Bowes. Pitney Bowes. That is Send a name pro. that was on many machines of my youth. Yeah. Oh, around the real estate office, they're lousy with Pitney Bowes everywhere. I think probably they're, uh, they're, they're stamp dingus back in the day. Yeah. Good new sponsor. Good job like, on the sponsors, Dan. Yeah, I like those guys. Yeah. Um, Someone was saying that that uh, Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill are yes. protoforms of one of one another. But who's at the top? I'm going to say Seth Rogen has more success. He's the top. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of that phrase. It's a, a prefix you can put on a word. Like the er something, like you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, you know, this is the, you know, er nightcrawler or whatever. Right. That's a terrible example. But like you could pick out something that's like the the, you know, platonic idea of this. Boy, we're mangling a lot of stuff today. Yeah. But uh yeah, er. Er. I don't I don't like saying it though. You know, it's like saying POTUS. POTUS. Ugh. Er POTUS. He's the Er POTUS. That would be George Washington, the original baller. <laughs> better better than um better than Emma Watson, he says. Old Virginia George, they called him. Better, better than Emma Watson, Nova in the Apes. Better movie. than Emma Watson. Emma Watson, what? What, is, what are you talking about? Hermione. The. Her, no, I know Hermione. Is she in an Apes movie? No, uh, my son says that that um, Nova is even better than. Uh, Attraction wise. Yeah, hot, hotter oh, okay. is what he said. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, they're they're both good, very good actresses. Uh, I'm just relaying what my nine-year-old said. That's all I'm saying. I got two pieces of feedback. One about how to not turn into a curmudgeon. The other one about starting off your day. Okay. I kind of like the starting off your day one. May I proceed? Please. Listener Brian, can we talk about the start of the days? And in fact, two versions of the start of the day. Waking up in the first 10 minutes, half, 30 minutes, an hour at the office, whatever that is. Sometimes I get to work and start working on quote-unquote important things, but that doesn't always feel happy. Sometimes it starts the day stressfully. Of course, when I get to work and chat out my coworkers and do some light reading or whatever, I feel like I lost a good usable hour or so. Yeah, I know that feeling. Along with that, any thoughts on the first hour of the day? I know you've shared your three pages of writing, but any general patterns that could be discussed? Dan, thoughts on starting the day, ways to improve the way your day starts, what kind of things to choose, your thoughts? On on improving your day? All those things. Starting it out? Starting it out, having a day, important. You know, when back in the, back in the, uh, the old days, before I had kids, I would wake up, I generally woke up early, I would pour a cup of coffee and I would sit and I would read the news uninterrupted. Back then it was my RSS feed reader. And I I enjoyed having that time. It was worth it to me to wake up, you know, 15, 20 minutes earlier so that I could have that easing into the day time period. Um, That for me was something, and that's one of the few things I miss about, you know, pre-parenthood is that sort of 
alone time where, you know, you know, you don't have to be at work for X amount of minutes or hours. Even you can ease yourself into the day and you don't have that rushed feeling because you have the time set aside to do everything. Now it's tougher. And I find that I need to spend time in the night before, like, for example, I had to work out this morning, which means I've got to think about what I'm going to wear tomorrow uh, and in, in the evening, I've got to pack it into a little thing. I've got to put my the lifting there's, shoes there's elements, in there. elements of thinking ahead, though. Yeah, and, and it takes all of that. And that's the one thing that I found. But then in the morning when I wake up, I don't have to think about anything. For me, it's eliminating all of those extra thoughts of like, well, what if I forget this? What if I forget that? Well, no, I won't because I took the trouble to set it aside. It's in the thing. The thing is packed. The thing maybe is even in my car. You know, doing all of taking all of those steps, it gives you that space and that room uh, to to move at the speed that you're comfortable with and not feel like rushing. And a lot of people, if you ask them, how long does it take you to get ready in the morning? They're in, well, I don't, I don't know, maybe like half an hour. In reality, it takes them 55 minutes or, you know, it maybe it takes them 15 minutes, but everything takes at least 20 minutes longer than you think. Yeah. You need to know. I mean, you need to know that kind of a thing. How, because there's a lot of people who hit the snooze button when they're getting out of bed uh, and they want to stay in bed a little longer and they, well, I probably, I don't know how many times I hit it two or three times. What that means is that you're actually not waking up at a time that, that makes sense for you. And, problem, and you know way more about, about this, uh, hacking this, than I do. But, you know, going to bed at the right time so that you wake up awake at the right time. I mean, imagine waking up and n- not needing an alarm or waking up a couple minutes before your alarm, not, not having that jolt of, oh, my God, I had to wake up. I went to bed too late, but actually feeling good about all that. All of those things, I don't know if this is addressing the question or not, but all those things are what put can help put you on the right trajectory to to starting off your day right because man if you're all rushed and you're stressing out in the morning by the time you get to work you're like how am i supposed to work for eight hours now like i'm, I'm beaten I, down I, I, don't, I don't i don't think that's what he asked particularly but i think it's very important and i totally agree um because you're you're counting you're kind of popping up a level in the stack which is that you know maybe one reason that the mornings especially leaving the house which again is a little different but maybe one reason that's hectic is cuz there's stuff you could have done earlier that you hadn't done and i think this is true for a lot of things where like i i'm a big believer in like looking at looking forward on the calendar like what's coming up sometimes you know one one dumb thing i do i'll look at my calendar just to make sure i didn't miss any double bookings where I didn't notice the banner at the top of the page when I scheduled this podcast. Like, oh, I didn't account for that was my pickup day. My, you know, my pickup day for this thing got changed and right. now that's going to... So, but it's this is a little bit just um, dealing with the demon dogs. But I think like doing that kind of looking ahead over your next month, your next couple of weeks, I think there's something smart about that. And that can trigger ideas for things you need to do, things you might have forgotten about. But it, very importantly, I think the the what what we do tomorrow thing is very very important and potentially very um, – there's a lot of fecundity for that as the place where you choose to make a change. So, you know, what you're describing there is, well, let's think about what we got to do tomorrow and get it ready. But – I also think there is a benefit. Some people, many people will think that this is a waste of time, duplicative, OCD, but walk through that day. Look at the calendar. Think about what you need to do. So like, you know, today is a day where our daughter went to camp and like, you know, we had the sunscreen that we need, but sometimes you forget the sunscreen. Well, if you don't have the sunscreen, are you going to send your kid to school without dumb example, right? right? 
why run out of sunscreen? Why run out of coffee? Why run out of socks? Like that requires just a little bit of looking ahead and it can make such a difference to your mental health, at least in, in my opinion. Um, those are all really important. I think that the other thing, maybe, maybe more to what he's asking possibly is just the like, understand, like, first of all, I think nested in what he's saying is the idea that there's benefits to using your time well early in the day, but we don't always know exactly how to do that, right? You, well, let's look at it this way. You know that most of your bad days or your unproductive days probably started with an unproductive morning, and that unproductive morning probably started with an unproduct, unproductive start to that morning. So, you know, just go through that and trace where, the, where you can make improvements. Back to preparation, having an idea about like something that has to happen tomorrow morning and how much space runway like how much open time do you have tomorrow knowing that ahead of time can be really useful and again factors back into your planning like if you forgot that you've got to go get the tires rotated or something like that's going to put a real crimp in your day and now bad on you and you're mad at yourself i also think you know me i don't love that word inspiration but i don't mind the word motivation mm-hmm. i think there are ways to motivate yourself without inspiring yourself you know, um, inspiration is like striking a match and then, you know, just dropping it and having it go out. <laughs> Motivation is knowing like, even when I'm not inspired, here's the things that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, this is, I'll just, I'm making this up, but, um, I think about like three kinds of things that tend to contribute to a good day because they contributed to a good morning. Um, doing something that makes me happy. Um, doing something that's difficult or that I've been putting off, right? And doing something where I get control. There might be a world where all three of those are the same thing, but like responding to an email that I kept putting off, that can be very effective, even if it's just a little short response. But getting that one thing you've been putting off off of your plate, I think that can have a really big effect. Doing something that makes you happy or, you know, doing something that gives you energy even. That could be a workout thing. That could be like reading exactly one front page from a paper. But then also maybe if you're having a lot, a day where you you find little things to control, which could be, that could be tagging MP3s, that could be sharpening pencils, but it could also be like that's your opportunity. An area of control could be going through your calendar. I mean, not to get too recursive here. Right. But I think some mix of those kinds of things. Well, but you're making a really good point, Merlin, because I think we feel it's so easy to become disorganized or to get caught up in all the details and going through something like that, it, it like, it makes you feel good. Like, Oh, I've, you know, I've got this thing organized now. Yeah. And, and that for some reason doing something like that, sometimes it is like a little menial task. Sometimes it's just going through like old emails and hitting delete on the ones you've already replied to or going over your calendar or whatever. I think all of those things are incredibly effective at making you feel like you really got something done. Right. And with with the, I guess the inbuilt message being that like you will be more motivated if you start out with some successes or a reason to feel like your day is going productively. And so not doing any of those things and then finding your, and not realizing the time got away from you can be kind of a bummer. If you're okay with how you're spending your time, it won't bother you. It's just, if you know there's other stuff you should be working on or stuff you've been putting off, those are, those can all be things that dog you then throughout the day. And that's, that's no fun. But it also, again, I don't want to overstate this, but 
you know, I, I think it's not a bad idea. I've mentioned this so many times, but it was really useful for me. There was a time when I was doing a lot of writing for my website where I would have an index card with the first thing I needed to do that day. And I would leave it on my chair so that when I was done for the day, when I came back the next morning, that was the very first thing I needed to do. Preferably less than 10 minutes, definitely less than 20 minutes, but some task I needed to do with a clear outcome. That's another part of this is clear outcomes. Sharpening five pencils may not feel like much, but those those are you just sharpen the crap out of those five pencils and now you're done with that. <laughs> right. Versus like outline novel. Well, how will you know when you're done with that? You know, a lot of the productivity stuff that I have found useful in almost every situation is to minimize the amount of stuff that you know is junk or minimize the amount of stuff that is a known waste of time and attention to be smart about ganging the kinds of tasks that may not seem super important, but you know need to get done. And to the extent possible, giving yourself as much open area as you can, especially if you're trying to do something creative, even if you're, uh, you know, even or especially if you're programming so much documentation on like, um, or research on like, you know, how much more productive people are like when, when developers are not, um, unnecessarily interrupted. So, I mean, to me, that's always a big goal is to try and create blocks of time where I don't have to be checking in on whether the world's blowing up. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be, you know, sharpening pencils, but you know, you'll, you can find your own way with those things. If you end up, if talking to your coworkers is something that you enjoy doing, maybe you can still do that, but not for as long. Right. If it's something you don't enjoy, well, then I would spend less time doing that. Find some other way to uh, have office intercourse with people. Right. But I think you can find your own patterns for this stuff. But it does learn what works for you, which sounds like a, uh, a trite phrase. But there's a lot of people who have not learned what works for them. And they continue to yell at themselves like they're a mean dad yelling at a kid and like getting frustrated that they're not producing what they want. Well, figure out the way you want to work to figure out where your energy is. If you're not a very high energy person in the morning, look at more of those tasks that are very easy and give you more control. Don't look for a challenging, potentially hostile, creative, uh, thing or like fighting over a budget or something. Don't make that your first thing. It's kind of a recipe for disaster, but you know, to figure out, you do have to be sensitive and open to noting things like, well, I'll just go write this thing tonight at eight o'clock. Well, if you're not the kind of person who writes at eight o'clock, then that's again recipe for disaster. Yeah, this getting great, horse. Great tips. Great tips, tips, and or tricks. Dan, is there any chance you had one more thing that you like? You know what? I do. I have one more thing. Merlin, one more thing. Are you hiring? I'm always hiring. You're Dan. always A B H. Well, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? My guess is that uh, you're like most of us. I go buy classified ads in the paper, right? Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Get a sandwich board. Finding good talent is super important if you have any size business, but especially small, medium-sized businesses. It's so hard to find really good talent, and it's so important at that level to get it right. Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to 100 actually more than a hundred job sites with one click. Uh, so their technology will match the right people to your job and they do this better than anyone else. Unlike other job sites, it doesn't depend. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It actually goes, they find them over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. You don't have to juggle emails. You don't have to have people calling your, your office and wasting your time. You just screen, rate, and manage the candidates, and it's all in one place. They've got a really nice dashboard. It's all set up. 
and it makes hiring incredibly easy. And I'll tell you what, even if you're thinking, oh, we all, you know, we're only hiring one position, we're a real small company, like, do we need something like this? I actually feel like you do. Try it after the first time you try hiring someone and you see how much trouble it is, you're going to never want to do it again, but you're <laughs> going to need to. And yeah. that's that's what ZipRecruiter is great for. They They make all of this easy. Businesses of all sizes, finding qualified job candidates, getting really, really quick results. And they're doing a special thing for, for our listeners, Merlin, uh, for free. You can go and get started with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash back to work. And now you can Ooh. post jobs on there for free. They're doing a Go special thing just for the li- just for the listeners. ZipRecruiter.com slash back to work. Go try it out. Go check it out. Uh, they do a really great job at this, and they make it possible to find uh, qualified candidates really fast. So we appreciate them supporting this audience. I know we have people in the audience who uh, who are in the process of hiring or who want to hire and who are dreading it because it can be so hard to do. Don't dread it anymore. They're going to run. They can have that. Don't dread it. Don't that's, dread it. ZipRecruiter. I bet you by the time our listeners go to ZipRecruiter.com, they will mm-hmm. have updated their tagline to don't, don't dread it. Mm-mm. They can have that. I'm just an idea guy. Thanks very much. ZipRecruiter.com slash back to work. Buck, buck. Look at that. It greets you. It says, welcome back to work listeners. Mm-hmm. They know. It says it right there on the page. They, they know. know. They know what they did. A great sign. Boy, look at that. Got to fill that chair. Fill that chair. Fill that chair. That's <clears> their <throat> thing. It's going to be don't dread it next time. What am I going to write up for show notes for this week? Just put a pic, pic of Dave Lanterman up there. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, look at that ape. Look at her. Hmm. Better than uh, Emma Watson, apparently. Better than a sharp stick in the eye, I always say. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Slacker lately? No. You should, because it's about Austin. Slacker. Oh, come on. Really? Oh, no, sorry. I'm doing that feigned surprise thing. I'm, I'm, I've stopped doing that. Yes, yeah, Slacker. Is a movie? 1991 the- movie. Yeah, very strange. R- Richard Linklater's first movie. Very strange. And it's about... Uh, I don't know. All I'll say is it's about Austin. It has lots of interesting people in it. Right. And I don't know how well it stands up today, but back then it was uh, it was like the the dream slacker movie. All right. I, will, I mean, slackers uh, as you know, the, the not just you know the titular slackers, but also you know. I'll cue that up. Oh my God! The budget twenty three thousand dollars. Wow. You can't even get a lawn mode for that here anymore. Am I right? Seriously. It's got that band in it. What are they called? Glass Tiger. They're in it. You should check it out. It's pretty good. Madonna pap smear. Very good. What? Hmm? Uh, Dan, uh, do you want to button this up? Yes. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.